0: hi guys just before we get into the episode i just wanted to just a little disclaimer might have a few audio issues that you might notice a few discrepancies but it shouldn't get in the way of your audio um experience but just thought i'd let you know before i'm first time using the mics etc together so yeah hope you enjoy the episode this week on the divided opinion podcast we're in the same room live in the flesh none of this pre-recording or phone call nonsense Westy, it's great to have you back, mate. How have you been? Well I just couldn't get my head around it really. Couldn't understand what he what he was thinking, but But he is at a stage in his career where money is no object and his legacy, his integrity is, is worth far more.
1: Yeah. And Friends he... come in and win the Champions League within four and a half months. I mean, you could basically turn around to any owner in the world and say, Give me what I want.
0: It doesn't matter to him. What the relationship is between the fans and that player, and what that player means to the fans, or what that player has offered to the team. He's gonna get every last bit of money out of out of
1: you. And his his agent, he's, he's had his agent involved, saying, "Can you arrange a meeting with the manager and the club so we can talk?" And the club have just declined everything. Whilst he might not be in Arteta's like the forefront
0: of his plans, and he might not be first name on the team sheet. He's he's a player that any club really could do with. Hello and welcome back to the Divided Opinion podcast. hope you guys are well and have enjoyed the start of the new season, especially with fans being back in the ground. It really feels as though we've got football back as we know it. Having said that, I think it's time for the Divided Opinion podcast to return to normal as i'm delighted i'm delighted to welcome back westy to the show we're in the same room live in the flesh none of this pre-recording or phone call nonsense westy it's great to have you back mate how have
1: you been i've been okay thank you yeah. yeah yeah
0: sunning yourself in croatia yeah
1: yeah obviously my mind's always been on on the podcast and been eager to get back to it but but now we're here and we should
0: look forward now, don't we? Yeah, no, definitely. No, I'm delighted to have you back, mate. Um, obviously, I try to keep it going as best yeah, as I can on my own. Well. Like, I mean, now you've got a bit of catching up to do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've been here perfecting my craft. More <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there's no prizes, um, for guessing the topic we're going to begin proceedings with. I know it's one that you'll be buzzing to talk about, West. I've been buzzing to talk about it with you. Um, it's kind of worked out perfectly with the return. Um, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. I mean, I'm sure you've been planning what you were going to say. I don't even know if you need to plan. I want to start off. We'll go through a bit of a timeline with right. it all. I want to start off. I think, was it what day was it when the City rumours were? Was it the f- it Thursday? Was Thursday? So yeah. it's Thursday. Man City rumours are circulating. We've got all the, t- the A1, the top tier journalists are all reporting Fabrizio Romano that Manchester City. Are in for Cristiano Ronaldo? They've entered negotiations. I think we got even got to the point where personal terms have been accepted. Just tell me what was going through your head that day.
1: Um, I don't know. Head was all over the place to be honest. Just mainly, mainly a feeling of anger, really. Um, Well, I just couldn't get my head around it. Really, couldn't understand what he was, what he was thinking, but. Obviously we never really heard anything from the player himself so you can't, maybe we went a bit too harsh on him because I did see a few tweets that I thought you might want to go back on Understandable at the time, it's like anyone, it's like any club legend It's like like Steven Gerrard leaving Liverpool and going to Real Madrid for a few years but then coming back and signing for Man United, anyone would feel like that but no it was yeah it was a, it was a horrible day really it was a day I, I just wanted it all to end like the yeah. whole the whole saga I just wanted it to him to get it over and done with because I, in my head it was happening and there was no chance of any other club signing him, so it
0: really did look
1: like he yeah. was going to Cuz I went to bed on Thursday night and just fully expected by the next morning to wake up to the news that he was pretty much a Man City player but woke up to far better news than that
0: yeah i mean i have to be honest because obviously i did have had you coming at me saying oh yeah just basically having a meltdown about the whole situation i was trying to calm you down a bit and there was always the issue with the transfer fee and it hadn't been accepted Well, not accepted man city had refused to pay that transfer fee mm-hmm. i don't know really know why um it seems as though if they just got that transfer fee in I mean yeah. I don't know you never it could It could have happened yeah. if, if they just offered the transfer fee I think it's what 20 million or something
1: yeah I think they initially wanted 20, 28 or something like that they, they they broke it down so the fee that they paid for Ronaldo from Real Madrid with a year left in his contract they worked out that he still was worth 28 million pounds of that I think it was 95 million what they paid for him yeah but um, yeah it never looked like City were going to Get, they always wanted him on a three, but I eventually thought that Juve would give him away on a three because the money they'd save wages alone is like a transfer fee in itself. But, um,
0: yeah, it's I, a strange one, isn't it? It's strange why Juve was, I mean, obviously he was keen to get out of there, it kind of just gone stale. Uh, I don't, I've got to be honest, I don't watch much Serie A, I don't know how much you watched of him last season. Obviously, I've seen that he'd finished top goal scorer. Um, yeah. did it go stale? Was it a the whole season that was just
1: Um Well I think with I think with Ronaldo it's he was always gonna be judged when he signed for Juve on European success, so winning the Champions League. And um obviously many people thought he would the, the Juventus team he joined was a good team, full of good players and um but he sort of joined at the wrong time and he's and there's a lot of arguments to say that Ronaldo actually made Juve worse because obviously everything's on him other people just the limelight goes off of us and and some some people are saying like his style of play doesn't track back he just sort of waits around the penalty box and obviously that's what he's going to do at his age but um, yeah I think I think you'd probably get a 50-50 response from Juve fans and I reckon at least half of them would probably say his time in Juve was a failure because he didn't they didn't get past the round of 16 or maybe quarterfinals of the Champions League when he was there, and th- before that they were fighting in semi-finals, finals for the Champions League. So
0: it, it did almost feel like it was for him. It, it just seemed like it was a league that he was just trying to tick off. Yeah, get a title which he got.
1: But but like, like you mentioned last season, they didn't even win the league, did they? So Inter Milan won it at a counter in the end.
0: But if if he had gone to Manchester City, say, mm. do you think he would have fit into? City style of play. It it did seem like a strange one for me.
1: Yeah, um, I do. I, I do think he would have. Do you think- Maybe even more so than United, to be honest, because it was never a signing that United were ever. There's never any talk of Ronaldo coming back to United this summer because none of no one thought. I, I don't think United were even considering it unless City went in for him. But yeah. We can all be honest. That's the only reason United went in for him because city were going to get him they couldn't yeah. let him join there seemed to be
0: some outside pressure as well from oh, yeah. ex-players that he played with
1: yeah obviously. of course but like gary neville says like that you know it, as a club they couldn't have they couldn't have let him join man city Like the the repercussions it would have had from the fans the board everything it would it would have just erupted wouldn't it yeah and it just, they couldn't just let it happen and
0: but he is at a stage in his career where money is no object. And his legacy, his integrity is, is worth far more. And yeah. th- how much money does the guy need? And he's still earning a lot of money anyway at United. Well, he
1: was going to take a pay cut, wasn't he? Well, he's on he's on a, he's on a pay cut at United mm. by a significant margin, I think.
0: But he is at a point now where this is what you're going to remember for him for. these these. Why would you have this, this stellar career that he's had and then just throw it away? For the sake season. of more money that you've yeah. already got an amount of money that he's never going to be able to spend anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, yeah, on to the, the wage. So it's a two-year contract and it's rumoured... I've seen various figures but it's in the ballpark of about 500 grand a week, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Makes him... Around, around about 510, I think, yeah. Yeah,
0: making him the highest paid player in the league. I think it's Premier League history ever yeah. as well. I would not be surprised. And... What 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 do you think this kind of? Are you happy with him being put on the the yeah. highest wage? Do you, you think it could have any impact on the other players?
1: Nah, I think that sort of thing can happen with other players when certain other players come into the club. But I think anyone in any dressing room in world football, if you sign the Messi or Ronaldo, you just it's an acceptance like what they've done in their career, what they still offer. They deserve to be on really what they asked for. And they he would have been on that sort of money more well, more than that sort of I think at Juve he was on about eight hundred and fifty a week. Like it's not like they they've come from a sort of a a low contract and been rewarded with this massive one at a new club and there's other senior players that are thinking, Well how how hang on, why aren't I in this? I don't think it would cross any players' mind at United. No, They'll just it, expect it. Yeah,
0: no, it it is to be expected, and some of the wages the players are on anyway yeah. for their ages. Like so look James at Sancho, Sancho. Yeah. three hundred and fifty grand a week. Exactly, exactly. So I say, should we move on now to just how he is going to fit in at United um, and how it does impact United? Because obviously, with these kind of deals, everyone gets caught up with the just the the drama of it all, but everyone yeah. kind of forgets that these guys get paid to play football and the most important thing is how he's going to fit into this Manchester United team yeah. and it, I think it almost feels surreal for United fans to be even be talking about because this wasn't even a thing was
1: it no. it wasn't a thing until last this time well not even l- last week until mm-hmm. last Friday it was still the only thing going on was he was going to sign for Manchester City
0: it's just it is absolutely crazy I cannot remember something like the this day. happening the day like and just to give some context, I know I mentioned in a in the previous podcast I did because I had to put up a short episode just talking about it. Me and Westy, literally, the reason we're into football today, and the reason we make this podcast, and the reason we have this love for it, is because of Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. That there's no, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I don't want to speak for the both of us, but no, for me exactly. anyway, no, that that is literally the reason I'm I'm so obsessed with the game. Um, so for him to be going back to Manchester United is surreal yeah. I know I'm not a Manchester United fan but it's for me like I've said before the opportunity to see him play in the Premier League see him live it's going to be a surreal moment for me and yeah I cannot wait and I, I'm i so happy he didn't go to Manchester City obviously there would have been a part of it that I would have enjoyed would have been able to to, to you know what I mean like, I would have <laughs> The, uh, there there's definitely um I would have enjoyed poking the fire a little bit with you, but no nah, I'm glad that he has gone back to United now yeah. and it is in a in a time where football is just so dominated by money and the legacy and the history of clubs now it seems to just be pushed aside It's won do you know what I mean football yeah. romanticism
1: has won um, yeah I don't think you've ever don't think you'll ever see a transfer like it no for pure nostalgic reasons. I
0: don't think we ever thought it was actually going to happen, did we? Because I've
1: dreamt about it for years, and every summer you've had rumours, especially when he was in Madrid. Ronaldo, and Ronaldo's even come out himself and flirted with United before. But you always knew it was just to, to get... He's, he, he There's no getting away from the fact he's used United's name in the past for a bigger contract at other clubs. But obviously this time it was real. He's at a different stage. He's in the twilight years of his career, so... It was really now or never when you're going to make the move back. You can't just keep flirting with him and think it'll. I'll go in two or three years. Like he's thirty six years of age. This was the time for him to finally come back.
0: Yeah, it, it reinstates is huge for United as a club though as well because obviously you've gone through this period and it happens to every team. Obviously Liverpool's had their dips. Arsenal's going through it right now where. I'm not saying United's big club status was ever up for debate because it wasn't, but in that elite tier, I'm talking in the, the PSGs, the Manchester mm. Cities, the here and now, the teams that are challenging and the teams that the big players want to go to, disregarding money. United, it felt like they had slipped maybe below that that top top. Um, yeah. What, uh, the top tier where that can attract these superstars yeah. and Ronaldo joined and just put some straight back up there yeah. because for me it was did have a feeling of when Varan, when Varan was obviously there was talk of him wanting to leave Real Madrid I think it was only natural for everyone to go straight to the PSG's straight to the Manchester City's those kind of teams um, and United you wouldn't have even probably been in the conversation at the start but obviously now these big players are going back there and I, I'm happy to know that, like it makes you realise and it's made the whole footballing world realise the powerhouse that United are still and the pull, the pull they have to players.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, well, they The period we've gone through, I think you even, we spoke about it the other day, like there was, we saw the team sheets, didn't we, from just 18 months ago, just before Bruno Fernandes had signed and like, the state of that team sheet compared to what we could potentially have now was just was just awful. And it just seemed like United, until now, well, until last season, because even last season got off to a terrible start, but it seemed up until about a year ago, well, really until Oli came in, that United were just going nowhere. Like, it was just a dead-end. It, it was becoming sort of like a dead-end club. Like, it was just a constant cycle of just just mediocrity. And just no ambition. Yeah, and it didn't even come from there were still players performing for United. And obviously we didn't have we had a lot of players that weren't up to scratch and Solskjaer said he sort of pushed them out of the door that a lot of the dead wood. But it just felt that they were never gonna get that that feeling back where where they could make Old Trafford a fortress again they could make teams fear them and now this finally looks like obviously it's only just the season's only just began and anything could happen not saying United are going to go and win all the pots but with that line-up it finally instils a bit of fear into teams when they see Varane Ronaldo Sancho Bruno Fernandes all these players instead of a couple of years ago standing in the tunnel looking across and seeing Andreas Pereira Ashley Young Brandon Williams Martial Dan James I mean, it's just a stark indifference, isn't it, to what United have had for over the past few years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll move on now to the the pressure that it puts Ole under. And the fact that, like you said before, when you talk about this, the, the level of players that you had and the the transfers that were coming in and the lack of backing for the manager, it the pressure was not on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He was in very much a win-win where... If he does well, which he has done in 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 like in measure, he hasn't put the world to rights. Mm-hmm. Still, the he's got to win a trophy, but he's been making progress. And there wasn't much you could say because he hadn't really been back. He you could say that he hadn't had the players that he really did want. Um, and obviously the the, the blame right quite rightly so was on the on the Glazers. but now it's shifted all that pressure is now on Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. How confident are you with obviously you've got the players now, you can't argue with that. You've got the team that puts you in that conversation. How do you feel having Oli Gunnar Solskjaer at the wheel? Are you confident? Um from what you've seen, is he gonna be able to get the best out of Ronaldo?
1: Um Yeah. I've always been I've always sort of stuck by Ollie and there's maybe been times where I've maybe become a little bit fed up when we've gone through spells of poor results or not really looking like there was any direction. But you, over the the general consensus he's always he's always looked like there was an idea of what Solskjaer was trying to do. And you can see that clearly in the how we've gone where we've gone from finishing before he came to obviously third and second. It's not really anything to really shout about, but it's an improvement to finishing seventh and sixth every year, which we were. Um yeah, well we'll be able to judge him now properly as a manager. Now he's actually got the tools to do what he says what what he thinks he can do and I think he can do it. and he's had enough knowledge. He's played along enough in the, in the best sides. He's played with great players. He's he's now going to be managing top players. He knows Manchester United inside and out. Like there couldn't be anyone you could put in charge probably other than someone like Alex Ferguson that will know Manchester United more than they going to Solskjaer. Does does the, the amount of chances created worry you? Yeah, I I've I always still worry and I always have worried about how we it's not necessarily against the bigger teams I think we thrive when we play against teams that come at us so that's why we always go and beat teams like Manchester City and not always but we've got good records against the bigger teams because they come at us and leave all this spacing behind and our best football is played on the counter-attack but yeah, it has always been a worry where we do play, let's say, a Norwich or a Newcastle and they sit with two banks of five. And a lot of the time it has been United can't break them down and the creativity just just disappears. I think it improved last season. Obviously, the Shaw, his, his improvements, he created a lot of chances with his deliveries into the box. And we are getting better at it, but we're still not at the point like a Manchester City where they can go to a sort of a lower level team and just absolutely cut through them like, like butter.
0: I think we saw yesterday, though, the Portugal-Ireland um, game, where we talk about chances needed needing to be created, and they do, obviously. You can't always get out of games like Portugal did yesterday uh, with two last-minute goals from Ronaldo. But this does give you that player that if you are playing against a low block, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's where he is going to pop up. He yeah. will go missing for most of the game, and he's not going to be the marauding player that he used to be, and no. the the mercurial dribbler. Like it's just not going to be the case. Uh, he is going to be like he, how he. That's how he plays now. Is where he he's, he's just, silent he's a for a lot of the game. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, with the deliveries into the area, Luke Shaw, Rambasaka. You've obviously got Jane and Sancho. I think the issue you had before was you always had either Greenwood, Martial, Rashford. Mm. Now three of those are three players that are all probably you'd say are more finishers. Uh, yeah. Good at finish finishing off chances. They're good at making chances for themselves. But in terms of creation and through balls and getting assists, you'd say that that was something that possibly evaded those players. They weren't playmakers. Whereas now you have got Jaden Sancho. It's really interesting to me how where Jaden Sancho fits into this now. Um because obviously I think he probably joined well he did join thinking he was going to be the big the big guy like the big signing and he was gonna be almost yeah, he's that the poster boy and the, yeah. the guy that United attached all their dreams for the seasons and your ambitions too. But now you have got Ronaldo there. I think it helps
1: Jaden Sancho. Yeah, I think it will help. Because it would take some of the pressure off him.
0: Absolutely, that's what I was going to say. And-
1: because he's not like you can't say anything about James Sancho. He's played an hour and a half worth of football since he's played for United against Wolves. He started, got took off after an hour. He didn't look didn't look great, but you can tell he's not he's not sharp yet. He's not hundred percent fit, and it's going to take him a, a month or two to properly adjust but he'll be I think he'll be buzzing people like him and greenwood and especially the younger players they'll be buzzing that ronaldo's become cuz all the spotlight's on ronaldo now and it will give them the chance to just their, just to do their work in the in the background and i still think Jane sancho will have, a, will have a good season for united no, we've absolutely. not even seen him yet have we really no, no
0: absolutely and the the quality's is there the quality, it, it, yeah. it's all about the way Oli sets up his team and the way he gets the best out of these players, yeah. and I know, and from an outsider's perspective, um, and this is not for one minute saying that I think United are going to do badly or Ali's not the right man, but it would concern me as a United a United fan. There is a, obviously going to be a right formula and a way to get the best out of all of them. It is just finding that way. I'd be interested to know what you think is United's. Obviously, you play in the what the four two three one that kind of formation. Yeah. So that front fr- front four, obviously, you're gonna have Bruno in the attacking midfield. Who are the other three players? Everyone's fit.
1: Well, he's he's gone for he had, he's trying to implement like a new sort of a more attacking 4-3-3. Three, three. But um, well, I'd love I'd love to see I'd love to see Van der Beek actually be given a chance. But if you're going off past history, then that's never gonna happen. Um but it's in that fo- that front three, on oh, your front left front winger, front right front winger, front striker. Front three, well, I think when he's back, when he's back and he's fit and he's ready to go, I think Rashford probably slots in on that left-hand side. But then again, that means you'd have to put Sancho on the right and Ronaldo up front, which means, where does Mason Greenwood go? And his form certainly deserves a starting role every week. So, until Rashford comes back and wins his spot back and proves himself, then you'd have to probably go maybe Sancho on the left, Ronaldo through the middle, Greenwood on the right. I've
0: seen some United fans worried that you're going to go to a back five to facilitate Lindelof starting. No, no. Do you think that, yeah, I think that could be an option? Never. Happened. But then you could have the two up front then?
1: No, I just can't see yeah, it. And no. Because oh, you,
0: you've I, also got Edison Cavani you've got to think about. Yeah.
1: But I think we both, well, I mean, Ronaldo and Cavani, they both seem like just like supreme athletes. They've kept their bodies really well. and But they're not going to be able to play every single game for 90 minutes. So I think it's perfect for Cavani as well as to have someone else of that similar sort of age and where they can just sort of play together sometimes, but give each other rests, little rest bites here and there. And yeah, you, you now ronaldo Son, you almost do forget about Cavani. Like what an option he is still for United. I think the issue you
0: have with Ronaldo as well, though, is if there's two factors for me. Obviously, we've seen with Solskjaer that he's very reliant on certain players and he often he doesn't have the the minerals to, to drop certain players sometimes. It sometimes feels like there's one way and he's kind of scared to go with anything else. And you've yeah. seen it with Bruno where he overplays him, We've seen it with Rashford, which is Perhaps partly the reason why he's now
1: out for two months. Probably the reason why Van der Beek isn't ever given the chance. Exactly.
0: The no. Exactly. And it's now interesting because if Ronaldo comes in, hits the ground running, wins United a couple games, gets a few goals, his soul shot. Well, he's got to. He's got to. Bit like rest him. He has yeah.
1: to. I think he will listen to Ronaldo more than anything. I think.
0: Ronaldo you know what these players are like yeah, yeah, cool. Ronaldo will throw his name in the hat every
1: game Ronaldo will want to play every game and win every win every game score every goal get every assist but I think at his age he will he will even know his body more than anyone and he will he will if he needs a maybe to come off the bench or just play an hour or sit out a cup game he he,
0: he will he will do that but then again you've seen yesterday. That kind of final twenty minutes is where he's the most dangerous. Yeah.
1: But um, well, we're getting him back now, aren't we? Over the next couple of days. Days that them done that? Or? He's been no. He's he took his shirt off, got suspended for the um, oh, really? Azerbaijan game, and it. But they've also got a friendly against Qatar on Saturday. But you, Portugal have released him, so he can go back to Manchester, which that's is good. good. Gives yeah, him an extra week's week's week break. Yeah, Not break. But I'm sure he won't be on a break. <laughs>
0: so the first game is Aston Villa that he could be starting no Newcastle Newcastle
1: so will he start you'd like to think he would yeah but you never know he could always start off the bench and have another cameo of him just
0: lastly before we move on because we have been speaking about this topic for a while which is expected but in terms of the Bruno Ronaldo debate obviously and you can't argue that they haven't for Portugal it hasn't worked Yeah. really I've seen today Ronaldo, of all his goals, Bruno's got one assist out of all of them. And obviously, he's not played with him for too long. But it's no secret that, and this may be to do with the Portugal manager, who I know is under pressure, but it's never worked, really. Um, The one seems to outweigh the other, and that one is obviously Ronaldo. And the, the team is built around Ronaldo, and Bruno's almost maybe, it, well it retracts from what Bruno can do and I don't know, do you think there could be obviously Bruno is the, the top guy at United, you see it and he, he orchestrates the team and he very much was that senior presence in the team last season and demanded more of all the other players do you worry that maybe with an ego like Ronaldo coming in that could you could see Bruno shrink away or will, that, will there be a clash if Bruno tries to tell Ronaldo what he needs to be doing um, how do you assess the Bruno Ronaldo issue and why hasn't it worked for Portugal in your opinion and how does Oli make sure it does work
1: um, to be honest in, on the Portugal side of things I couldn't really tell you you'd probably have to ask Portuguese fans that watch them, watch them every game every qualifier but you see though it yeah, just yeah, doesn't work yeah it hasn't worked
0: but he was, went missing yesterday right. Bruno
1: yeah I don't know Honestly, I have no idea Maybe, I don't know what it is between them obviously at United it might be the polar opposite and they might just come to life absolutely but we'll have to wait and see but in terms of um, sort of the off the field sort of stuff and how they would clash I think like I said I don't think any I think every single player in every, any team in the world would just relish someone coming in like that and it sort of he brings his stature and his... And his. Well, you say his ego, but that's who it is Ronaldo at the end of the day. Like, I think they'll all respect him, whatever he says, whatever he demands of other people. And he will demand a lot of people, but I think Bruno's the same sort of player. He, he demands a lot of other players. And that maybe sometimes is a little bit of his downfall because he gets a bit whingy and someone's not going his way or someone's not doing what he thinks they should be doing or they not or they can't do it they can't perform their roles and you see it with ronaldo sometimes honestly he, he's used to playing with the best so when he's not being provided with the best you do see him he, he can he does have the sort of what am i looking for high demands yeah, well he does have the the capability to let off at his teammates and moan and sort of shake his head and throw his arms around when he doesn't get the service but I think I think that's in all in all it's probably a good thing I think him and Bruno will probably rub off each other after a while It's because the there is a difference to, between training for a week together playing a couple of matches isn't there and then to become club teammates where you see each other every day Absolutely. so let's just hopefully it, it's just it just stays for Portugal
0: But I think it's important as well to realise that that kind of environment you're talking about and that kind of player that demands more of his teammates and gets stroppy if he doesn't if they don't reach that level it's the way Manchester United would have been under Fergie oh yeah every player and it's the way that it needs to be yeah. if you're going to be winning titles yeah. um, it, 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 that's the environment that United need to create and if if certain players aren't up to it if they don't respond well or they can't get to that level then then that's when they need to be moved on and i yeah. think when you've got players like Ronaldo and Varane coming in, and the the CVs that they've both got, I mean, there's no one in that United squad that can even compare Think in on any level. Yeah. No, and you can't discount the experience that those two have got and the impact that is going to have on the dressing room. When you throw in two two guys that have nothing to prove really now. They could retire. Today yeah, and, and they've the still won the more than any like anyone else could ever a dream of. Any average player, it you are bringing in yeah like even Bruno he he demands a lot but at the end of the day he's still he's still waiting to win that that first title etc no it's going to be interesting and it's but I think it can only have positive impact on United and in even in the future attracting more players and who wouldn't want to go and play at United now I'm sure there's a lot of players that are looking and wishing they'd gone to United and could be part of this this revolution I mean if you like if you're a because obviously the the centre mid issue, the defensive mid issue hasn't been addressed. But if you're a Declan Rice, someone like that, you're surely watching from an outsider's perspective, thinking, oh, saying to hard. your agent, like, oh, "Couldn't you got me?"
1: A-? Well, Basuma was sharing stuff yesterday, wasn't it, on Instagram? Was it? Yeah, shared the um the post Ronaldo put out and just had a little thing saying how how like he's the best player of all time. He respects him so much. He was like. Man United fans basically just yeah, saying, I mean, to, basically saying to his agent, "Come and get to Man United, come and get me." Obviously, I mean, the deadline.
0: Have said that yeah. before. He wasn't very vocal, was he, yeah.
1: Maybe he's happy, and maybe he's had a deal with Brighton where they've said, "Give us one more year, and you can go," which is fair enough. I it's mean, just... he would be perfect, wouldn't he? He would,
0: he would, and I've, yeah, I think we we should move on, but it's definitely it's a topic we have covered before the the defensive mid issue yeah. at United. Um,
1: we've just gotta let it roll out now, yeah, see yeah. how
0: what happens. See how it unfolds, yeah. You cut the window's closed, obviously. And we're gonna discuss a few more um deals or deals that didn't happen. Um what should what do you wanna talk about next? Should we, do you wanna move on to Chelsea bringing in a Sauna on loan?
1: Yeah. Um yeah, good signing for Chelsea I think. Yeah. Well a very good signing. Yeah. Um suits Chelsea a lot more than I think it'd suit United. I don't think United Obviously, people a lot of people saying, "Oh, what well, United not going in for him." But if you've sort of got a football brain, you realise he's not the player that would have solved United's problems. No. And for Chelsea, it's amazing they've got Kovacic, um, then plays in their four positions in that attacking midfield role. They've got great players, but they've not got amazing depth, and that's what he'll provide for Chelsea. In terms of Niguez,
0: I mean, I have seen him obviously Champions League. I don't know how much of, of, of him you've seen. What would you? say is I know he's versatile and he can play he can even play out wide he can play centre mid he can play as an eight uh, there's talk about Chelsea going to a three man midfield but where would you say is Saunegu's best position or would you say on the on the side of a midfield three yeah. or yeah
1: or... I what I've seen I've not seen loads of him but I have seen him for Atletico in the Champions League and I've always seen his best football coming off when he's the same way sort of Pogba's best football comes off the left hand side of the midfield. He's the right hand side of the midfield for him because he's he's great at sort of weaving in and out and he cuts in his left foot's so good and yeah, I think on the right hand side, maybe even almost slightly wide like Pogba plays. But on that side for Chelsea, I think that he could really be used. He's similar he's almost similar to sort of like a Havertz, but a midfield sort of a more like midfielder type of version. Havertz is more of a striker, isn't he? But yeah, the way he plays and the way he sort of drifts off to, onto that right hand side and comes in, I think that's where I've always seen him play his best football. But yeah, I don't know loads about him.
0: See, to obviously we see Chelsea, they normally set up with the three at the back and then the four in midfield with the, the two mm. wing backs, um, and then you've got the three. It tends to be Mount, Havertz, and Lukaku, who and Mount and Havertz. To tend to interchange Tuchel I mean he's he's assembling a super like a super team here really isn't he yeah. and he seems to have Chelsea's board just under the thumb like yeah. whatever he says he wants he gets, he yeah. gets
1: it well, that's what the best managers demand yeah that. and he's already when you take a Chelsea team that was I wouldn't say having a terrible season but they, they were going sort of nowhere last season when he took over Lampard got the sack and a lot of people say it was harsh but he obviously he wasn't up to it and that's what Tuchel's shown, these are the managers that you need and obviously this goes with Solskjaer a bit like maybe wonder what United could go on to do with this team if they had someone like Tuchel in there or a world-class manager but no one expected Chelsea to get anywhere near a Champions League final, never mind Mm -hmm. win it and when you come into a club and take it by the scruff of the neck and get all them players individually. They're all Lampard signings, by the way. And players that loved Lampard as they well. Lovely, yeah.
0: It wasn't as though the, the he'd lost the dressing room, Lampard. Oh. It just wasn't quite working. Those players wanted to play for him, but Lampard just didn't have the tools or the, the know-how to get it out of yeah. them. And Tuchel's come in. I thought it was going to be incredibly difficult for him to come in. When you look at the players that Chelsea have got, they love, they worship Lampard. Yeah. A lot of these players, Lampard had given them their first opportunities. And to mm-hmm. come into that dressing room, which would have been, that dressing room would have been like a bit Defeatant, shaken yeah. up and a bit, yeah, a bit sad that, that Lampard had gone. But for Tuchel to come in and have the effect he
1: has had well, is just outrageous. Respect, it? You can tell and... Yeah, for him to come in and win the Champions League within four and a half months, I mean, you can basically turn around to any owner in the world and say, give me what I want because this is what I've done with someone else's team. Now, I'll, I'll show you what I can do with my own team. And we know how much, how highly um, Roman Abramovich
0: ranks the Champions League in his priorities. High that is priority, the top. Yeah. That is, that's what he wants his managers to win. Um, in terms of the Champions League, though, last season, I thought when Chelsea won it, I, I kind of had a, a question marks in my head of whether it was Chelsea being good, which they obviously were, or whether it was more to do with a lack of, just a lack of teams vying for that Champions League. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they had Man City in their way, and they've their their record in the Champions League speaks for itself. Um, but now, after seeing Chelsea this season, obviously we saw them against Arsenal first game, and they were. I know I know how bad Arsenal are, but they did look good. And then even against Liverpool away, that first half, Chelsea absolutely dominated Liverpool. Liverpool didn't deserve to be in that game. And then obviously the, the red card happened in it. The tide ch- changed, but in that game we saw in attack, Mount, Havertz and Lukaku, they looked frightening those three. Yeah. And then even in the second half, it was almost a perfect game for Tuchel. And they didn't get the three points because he saw that his attack, I mean, he's, he can have no concerns about his attack. That you got those three and then you've got like, Pulisic he's kept Hudson-Odoi around all of ready to come on but also we saw in the second half it was a masterclass in defending as well
1: and you'd probably be, it'd be hard to argue that if they hadn't got that red card they could have probably gone and won that game 2 or 3-0 they
0: would have I have no
1: doubt and that. also you've also got to take consideration any other team like a full Anfield back in the stadium the Liverpool equalise. You're down to 10 men. How often would you see another any other team survive that whole second half with the Anfield crowd roaring them on? With 11 men. With 11 men. And it was just sort of something like the game finished, two cool sort of shook hands with everyone, and it was a routine thing. Like, what do you think? What They were like, did you think we were going to lose that game? Yeah. Even though we had 10 men, they were just sort of, anything that got in their way, they were just sort of, yeah, we'll deal with it.
0: That is the toughest away day in the league as well, in my opinion. Oh, it's, it's the toughest ground to there. play
1: at in Europe, probably. Yeah,
0: and Getting a draw with 11 men isn't a bad result. No. And, yeah, if you take into, into account the context, it was an unbelievable result. And Chelsea are going to be... They're all there about. Yeah. Um, for me, I've, they've impressed me the most out of any team yeah. so far. It's a long season, obviously.
1: Yeah. I normally like to judge teams after maybe 10 games, but... Obviously, after three, they definitely are. Um, they do look sort of like they're going to be ones to catch.
0: Absolutely. Do you see. So, what do you see? Do you, do you see Sal slotting straight in, or do you think he'll still side with the Jorginho and Kante? Do you see it being Kante and Sal guess. Obviously, now they've. you can see what they're trying to do. They've got the two deep line midfielders in Jorginho and Kante, and they've got the two other options in. Jo- in um, Kovacic and Sanegez that are a bit more box to box, so yeah. to speak. So it probably will be a a mixture of of all four of them really, kind yeah. of rotated.
1: Yeah, I don't know how the, how you fit in just yet, but no, I think it would probably be more of a for the whole season. It will sort of be a rotating game for Kukul, just depending on the opposition. I think I think Kovacic it's like Proper underrated footballer Kovacic. Yeah, Obviously, he doesn't doesn't chip in with his goals or assists. That's what everyone always says. Like, well, he's pretty ineffective, but he's actually massively effective if you understand the game and what he brings. Absolutely. So it'd be hard to just drop him out of the team and bring Saul in. But I think Saul and Kovacic they could bounce off each other the way both of them play. They're they're quite almost quite similar.
0: Seems to be the way footballs going is the the two two midfielders, just the two well balanced midfielders. Yeah. See it with a lot of the, the su- successful teams nowadays. It's the way Kante's always worked the best as well. At Leicester, they had a the two man, him and Drinkwater, very well balanced. Um, and then you've obviously seen it with France, Kante and Pogba again. Yeah. Uh, it, it does seem to be the way that the league's going. You've got West Ham, Suchek and Rice, Leicester and Diddy and, and, and Tielemann. McTominay and Fred. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's true. when With United, it always comes back to that. And I know you talk, and I, I, I don't want to go back onto United again, but I know you talk about how how could any United fan complain with the business you've done. But in my opinion, it's not a luxury position. You, you The positions that need addressing first and foremost in your team, in any team, if you're building a team, it's defensive mid and centre-backs, in my opinion. yeah, It's that spine of the team. And you look at any team that succeeds, they've all got that good spine to them. So is that going to be what's going to catch United out for this um, season? We'll find possibly, out. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll move on to something else because we have dedicated a lot of time to United. Yeah, I um, talking about Fred. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're happy talking about Ronaldo, but when it comes back to McFred Fred, yeah, we'll move on. To <laughs> <laughs> we'll, um, well, obviously, another huge story that didn't come to any kind of um, resolution was Kane. He was obviously he's he's been left with a pie in his face, really. It's gone all as sorrow, bad as it, it could have for him. He's come out and done interviews with Gary yeah. Neville, talking about he's literally said a he wants to leave. Really the odd one that was, not it? Really strange. I don't know who. Obviously, that was a well like that was a bit been a thought out move and a strategy to try and engineer a move. It was still during the season as well, wasn't it? You're still playing games. It makes you think though. How naive is the guy with? Because obviously the whole situation for anyone that doesn't know is so Harry Kane signed a new deal. Probably what six, last season or a six year contract, yeah. So he signed a six year contract, and like Jack Grealish, someone like that, he wanted assurances that he would be able to leave. Obviously, the way I see it probably going is Harry Kane, his rep- representatives, have turned around to Daniel Levy at Spurs and said, Yeah, we want some assurances that you're gonna let Harry Kane leave, whether it's next season or season after. There's no way Daniel Levy would have accepted a release clause. It was just would have been out of the question for him, yeah. business wise. It's just not. He's obviously Tottenham and Spurs. No, um, Spurs and Aston Villa aren't comparable. A hundred million for Aston Villa is a amount of money they can't refuse. But Daniel Levy, we've seen how how shrewd he is, and it should have been the way it should have been. For Harry Kane is. It should have been a release clause or no contract at all.
1: Yeah. And now he's looking for a new contract.
0: This whole gentleman's agreement—how naive are you? Yeah. You've seen it's how easy. Daniel Levy works. These
1: are words spoken, spoken over a table. What does it mean? Anything? No. Get it in writing at exactly. least.
0: Exactly. And you've just seen how Daniel Levy works. It doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him what the relationship is between the fans and that player, and what that player means to the fans, or what that player has offered to the team. He's going to get every last bit of money out of out of you and yeah. just incredibly naive but yeah. just went about the,
1: completely the wrong way didn't and he?
0: and it's it's always the case as well where he's kind of he's cut his nose off to spite his face where he's now Spurs are looking the most promising they've looked in ages and he's got to come back and it's just I mean if they do well now this season it all, it's all going to be hanging over them still Harry Kane wanted to leave he's obviously there now and he will get his head down but yeah how do you see him doing this season have you been impressed by Spurs so far
1: I've actually not watched any of the games in full for Spurs but um
0: well that's good they, isn't it they, <laughs> yeah that's <it>. The ideal <laughs> oh, they, they, <laughs> they look off good don't they
1: <laughs> no obviously doing a good job they're top of the league I mean obviously three games in I don't want to get carried away like last season with Spurs do we, where they won the league in November. But, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Nuno's doing a good job so far, and um, I think he's a good character to have Nuno in terms of dealing with something, someone like Harry Kane. Like he's dealt with it brilliantly over the whole course of the summer. Just sort of, he's just cut no corners, doesn't he? And he's just laid it on the table and just basically said, like, well, I know there's a problem. I know he wants to leave, but he goes. But we'll sort it out internally that's it he didn't go around speculating or or trying to say false lie, sort of lie about the fact that he actually wanted to stay or he's told him he on to stay. he's like yeah i know he wants to leave and but he's gonna he's gonna stay with us now and yeah. get his head down and i think Kane will get his head down and he'll, he'll do well i mean he'll still score goals he's never gonna stop scoring goals but it's just a bit of a an embarrassing one for him isn't yeah, it really? No
0: it is. And I agree, just sticking with what you were saying there and a the point you were making about like his temperament, um, Nuno, I think he will be perfect. And you've seen Spurs, the last couple of managers, Mourinho and Poch. Mourinho more so, but they both err on the side of being quite Yeah, and quite erratic managers that Will it will rub off on their players, and there it was. It was obvious. And Spurs, when it came, when push came to shove, that season where they could have won the league, where Leicester won it, um, where they've had they've got into Champions League final, they, they just at the last final hurdle, they just seem to lose their head, and they the composure just evaded them. And I think, I think Nuno you know, that calming. He's a calm and influence. And that influence on the players I think is exactly what they need. Yeah. They need that reassurance. They need someone... Because Mourinho, that Spurs team, were, they were just dead on their feet. And you know what Mourinho is like. He wouldn't have packed any punches. He mm. would have gone after the players. We saw in that all or nothing. He'd go after a player like Dele Alli. But players like Dele Alli, players like the Eric Dyers, who Eric Dyers has just been nominated for player of the month. Yeah. I mean, how's He's going to be in the England squad soon again. something I dread. I mean, there is a player there, very dire. But moving on anyway. Spurs players need a manager that's going to put their arm around him.
1: Yeah, and look at Deli Ali now.
0: Yeah, exactly. In terms of uh, Spurs' signings, do you know much about them? Obviously, it's Christian Romero. So yeah, that's right from
1: it? Atalanta. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Going to be promising. Yeah, he did well in the Copa America as well for Argentina. He's a good he was the I think he won defender of the year in Serie A last year so obviously that yeah. speaks for itself yeah, he's a very good defender I've watched him quite a few times for Atalanta but um, he's not really been moulded in yet properly but it would take time for him to settle in but they've got, a, yeah, they've got a good defender on their hands there
0: How about this Emerson Royale or Royal
1: Well that's a weird one isn't it because well, Barca signed him uh, in July and they've already sold him Yeah, I don't know whether it was, to, it was obviously it's all Financially inflicted. They signed him for 12.5 million. They've managed to get around 24 for him. So they've made profit on him in the space of a month or so. And that's probably the only reason why they've sold him because he was one of La Liga's most promising right backs, well, full backs last season. Quite a few clubs interested in him. Did well at Batiste. Obviously, Bellerin's replaced him in, in, in uh, Batiste now. But uh yeah, he was he was a good fit as well for Barcelona and they needed someone like him. They've got Sergio Roberto, but and now they've just obviously got rid of him for Tottenham, so it's Tottenham's win really at the end of the day. He's he's good yeah. and obviously replacing Aurea, he's he is an upgrade on Aurien.
0: I mean Barcelona, I think they're almost at a point where it's going so badly and they're they're in such a bad spot where they're almost it's probably is a good idea to just clear everything out and start so, over again. Yeah.
1: Get back to the drawing board. Just
0: get balance the books. Get back to a point where you're somewhat financially got a little bit of breathing yeah. room. Um, they've I mean,
1: just got to forget about being competitive for a few years now, and just
0: yeah, no, they have.
1: Just get back to, and they will go through a period probably where they're going to be a mid-table team now for a few years, and it's going to be weird to see Barcelona, maybe not even in the Champions League at some points over the next few years with the team that they've, they've assembled now. I mean, they've gone from Lino, Messi, and Suarez to. Luke Dion, Newcastle failure, Braithwaite, Braithwaite. It's just remarkable, isn't it, the the downfall that they've had.
0: Yeah, we can talk about Barca for a bit, and obviously we do have just seen with the whole Griezmann situation, deadline day, going back to Atletico Madrid. Um, so that whole the timeline of Green, uh, Griezmann is obviously Barcelona signed him was hundred and twenty million. Yeah. So they signed him for 120 million from from Atletico Madrid, and then I can't remember the exact year, but was it the same year? Was it I know? Was it the year after Suarez yeah, joined Suarez Atletico joined. on a free £7
1: well, £7 seven million,
0: seven million, pretty much free with what he's gone yeah. on to achieve, um, and then somehow Atletico have now managed to end up with Griezmann back
1: on loan, on loan with the obligation of a. £38 million fee Euros I'm pretty sure
0: yeah so it's even less so
1: they've made money on all of them How? and they've got the Sousa and they've got them players back it's just out of the way Atletico they're they're just a machine aren't they they're ran in a particular way where they're not necessarily well look they've signed Jao Felix didn't they and with the signings they've made and the money they're going to save now they're probably going to make the money back on Jao Felix now they've ended up with all three of them Barca wanted Jao Felix in deadline day as part of a swap deal. No idea how they thought they were going to pay any of that, never mind his wages or a transfer fee. Barca, it's just two two complete polar opposites, isn't it? Atletico, obviously, a very well-run club. Um, and Barca are just an absolute shambles, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and you just see how big Lionel Messi was just keeping that club afloat yeah, he was yeah, the yeah. only thing that was holding them all together yeah. and now obviously he's gone uh, we saw Messi making his debut for PSG don't know if you managed to see that game I saw the last 10 minutes and he does look sharp yeah of course
1: he, he looks sharp he's, I mean, he's unbelievable but it's just a, it, it'll take a while to sink in won't it seeing him in a well, in the number 30 as well Yeah, little, that looked weird didn't it yeah it did look
0: really strange but he's we, just as we thought the narrative of Ronaldo versus Messi had come to an end it's now come back again because it's now so interesting to see they've both gone to two different teams
1: it'd be great if you not I drew PSG in the Champions League yeah. wouldn't it?
0: oh absolutely and uh, Ronaldo he's got more of a chance to solidify his, his legacy and get this one over on Messi because he's gone back to the Premier League the strongest league in the world
1: yeah He's two and a half years older than Messi as well, You can't forget that. Messi's still only, we just turned 34.
0: And you look at the difference in squads as well, obviously Messi's going to a far stronger team And he'll
1: be playing in a league where he won't have to play 100% every game. Apart from Champions League games, Messi will barely have to break a sweat in that league. He is used
0: to that though. Obviously the Spanish league is stronger than the French league on the whole, but it's still not there is still a few games on the calendar which you've kind of penciled Straight down as easy yeah. yeah um so obviously we saw um another deadline day uh random story was agency, was it actually was it deadline day was it the day before deadline day yeah a couple of days before he yeah in. so Ainsley making the Niles obviously of Arsenal um, put on his story I can't remember the exact wording of it but it was basically I just want to pay, play somewhere that wants me and somewhere that's going to play me yeah Um. obviously pushing basically pushing for a move or just calling out for Arsenal to, to include him in their plans Um. in terms of this situation do you think he went about it in the right way yeah do you think yeah so if you you, you agree with the way he did it. I
1: agree with it. I don't necessarily like this this social media culture where players everything's taken to social media and but I think in this instance if you actually look into a bit of the backstory, apparently he's been trying to get through to Arsenal for weeks. They've been giving him nothing. So he's not been in any he's not been taking part in any of the he's played a few pre season games, but Arteta's basically frozen him out. And he's his agent, he's, he's had his agent involved saying, Can you arrange a meeting with the manager and the club so he can talk? And the club have just declined everything. So, obviously, a few days left of the transfer window, and you want to get your move. I think if that's last chance saloon, I mean, why wouldn't you take it to personal? when it's got him in front of Arteta in a meeting? What he wants, yeah. And, well, Arteta's still not letting him go, <laughs> yeah. It's hard because with Maitland nars
0: Whilst he might not be in Arteta's like the forefront of his plans, mm-hmm. and he might not be first name on the team sheet, he's he's a player that any club really could yeah, do with. He, a, a he would literally he, he could play anywhere.
1: Do you really? not find it just ridiculous in Arsenal's uh, where they where they're going at the moment? His, he's wanting to go somewhere. He wants to go to Everton because they've said that they'll play him at right wing back, right back. That's where he wants to play. That's his favourite position. And Arsenal have got Cedric. Mm. And I don't know, I'm I'm not saying I could run Arsenal better than Mikel Arteta, but...
0: I think you could be.
1: Mikel so. Arteta, is he seriously there in training or even in, in the game looking at these two players and thinking that Cedric's going to be doing a better job than a- Maitland-Niles? Look at Maitland-Niles when Art- Arteta came in that when they won the FA Cup. And he went through that sort of six month purple patch where he played for England, didn't he? Mm. And he was just brilliant. And he was just. Yeah. And they've just brought in that Tomiyasu as well. Yeah. 30 million
0: spent. when yeah. you've got one someone sat there that can play that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, played at the highest level and is so versatile. Can play midfield on the left, on the right. Could probably even slot in at centre back. He's at. I really, really like Maitland.
0: Maitland. I like Maitland. Ours. And there was obviously talk about Madison to Arsenal and he would have been one of the players that. If he'd been included in a swap deal, obviously there would have had to been a decent amount of money exchanging hands. But I would have taken it and Niles at Leicester. The amount of injuries we get, especially at fullback, and I, I would have happily taken Azwey and Niles near the end of that week, that window when we were looking like we weren't going to get a right winger. Mm. Happily would have taken him. May as well just stick with Arsenal. Really, what? Where do we go now with with Arsenal? I mean, in my opinion, I don't I don't see how Arteta can come back from this. No.
1: I uh, think he's fin- he's a dead man walking,
0: isn't he? They continue to make the same mistakes. They continue to sign the same kind of players that all lack just the the hard work and and they just they just lack. Do you know what I mean? They just lack
1: that. I just think it's also just an incompetence from Arteta. Just the level of coaching what he's bringing it's clearly he clearly hasn't got it no. like he
0: clearly doesn't know how to make a team hard to beat no. and like I was talking about with that just having a spine to the team Arsenal just don't have that Yeah, I've got no doubt that their attacking players could do a job and they've got the players that, that can score goals and but there's just no spine to that team there's nothing not even, to build yeah. from it's not
1: even like you, you watched him is it and they go through games where they where they do sort of wow teams away, and they're not one of them teams where you look and think wow they play some lovely football, they play some great football, and I would probably even say you know in his first six months maybe bits of last season I did you did watch him sometimes and think you know what there's something there for Arteta he can get these but even this season like they're not you watch them and think these are terrible. Like The way he's even setting them up offensively, they've just got nothing going for them.
0: They're so open, their defenders are just stood still, often balls come into the area. We saw it against the gaps you
1: see between the midfield and the defenders. That's what Chelsea when they, that's completely, I don't know, Yeah, like I said, we can't sit here and say, oh, this is how you should set up this. Because we're not football managers, but it doesn't take a genius to work out if you've got someone like Romelu Lukaku playing against two defenders that Aren't that strong well Pablo Mary and holding they're just not they're not to that level you Pablo put, Mary, I don't know you what put a couple them. of the, you put a couple of midfielders in front of that back four to protect that ball going into someone like Lukaku and there was a four, 30 40yard gap through the whole game where Havertz was just stood in the middle and just picking up the ball blank there you go they're just where's the coaching I don't it's so hard of Arsenal to put a finger on it really.
0: But their players, they're, the players they keep signing are all kind of of the similar ilk, where yeah. you just look at these players in the, the Kolasinac, the Pablo Mari, so like, those kind of players, you just wonder what scouts watch them and go, yeah, they're worth the money. They're worth. And, like, they just continue to sign players that are good footballers. Like, Lukonga, I really like the look of. He's not ready-made, is he? And he's not, like, he doesn't... You need players that are going to just... Play a role like they're going to come in and work hard and yeah. they're all kind of bit part players that arsenal players They all seem like luxury players that you slot into a team that's if if you slot lakonga into a team that's everything's working around him he'd probably be a good player yeah he yeah. could tip
1: into man city or liverpool and he'd be fantastic yeah. probably but You've i feel sorry him. for them tough players like lakonga he's just come in and he's baptism of fire and he's out like flipping hell
0: you watch him Everyone. and Shaka centre-mid together, there's just zero protection for that back line. I
1: mean, I feel, yeah, you feel sorry for a young Lukonga when his right arm man, he looks to the side to his granite Xhaka and just getting himself sent off after 20 minutes last weekend.
0: How many young players are we going to see just die out as well at your Arsenal? The amount of times you just see them on the bench, you just sat there and you just feel bad for them. You just mm. think you've got that new, that Balogun that's coming through up front. Oh, Niketio is meant to be like, the he's now the top scorer in under-21s. He was meant to be a top player. The Will- Willock, Maitland Niles, these are all top level young players. Why did they get rid of Willock as well? Exactly. There's no coincidence that all these Arsenal players, these young players they're now, foolish. are all being. But they're not flourishing. No, but I
1: mean, they flourish when they leave. Yeah. Like Joe Willock. I mean. But
0: they flourish. get polluted. Yeah. Do you see all these players just sat on the bench? I'm worried from Emil Smith Rowe. I'm praying that someone like Pep just picks out Smith Rowe and just t- says, just come. Come play at Man City oh, with me, mate. Right. Oh, Save him.
1: I wish he even made the move to Villa in the summer.
0: Smith-Rowe? Because
1: Villa bid for him a couple a- of times. It's just, if would, you, would he see it as a
0: step down? They're obviously not going to pay the wages that Arsenal are paying. No. There is a reason why these players want to play for Arsenal. And... And this is a thing with Arsenal fans. It's, I'm not trying to dig Arsenal out. They are still a big team. They yeah. they are. They, they
1: they. And they're a good. They're a great club as well. Yeah,
0: and like we talked about, I was growing up, and Arsenal were there thereabouts, and they've always been the team that have got a soft spot for me. And well, I've got a soft spot for them. They haven't got a soft spot for me. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't they try and sign you? Back then? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd fit quite well into Arsenal. Yeah, you're
1: now. a bit of an, a bit of an older guard, aren't you? <laughs>
0: but um. But yeah, no. With Arsenal, I think for me, their whole ethos and their their whole method needs to change, and they need to get in the transfer window and sign some robust, just players that are gonna do a job for you that aren't easy on the eye. Because surely Arsenal fans, that's what you want now. You don't want you've seen all these players that play nice football or that are good on the ball and whatever, but they there don't they ever go. do the job. Surely Gosh. they want some tough players.
1: Yeah, I just think the the approach to transfer window is just bizarre as well. I mean, you've they've spent the most out of any team in the league, like by a good margin, hundred sixty five million. And surely, if you've got them funds available, like Arsenal fans can't come out to stand Kroenke and all the others now and say you've not backed us because they've backed you with the money. But if these are Arteta signings, then you've got to seriously question Arteta even more. Like you have, you have to get a mixing, don't you? Of, ready-made players who are there to do a job and senior pros get a mix in with them with people at the Congo and they've literally gone out and signed four or five people players that aren't ready-made well so let's let's just quickly I'm just interested to see
0: because obviously I mean it's easy for me to just go back to Leicester because it's just a good reference point obviously I know quite well if you look at Leicester and Arsenal's transfer business And obviously everyone talks about the money that all these teams have got, the the likes of City and Chelsea have got and whatever. But Leicester are an example that money isn't everything. If you make astute signings in the transfer window, you can be there or thereabouts and you can mix with these big teams and win trophies. And we can just compare now. We can compare Leicester City's transfer window. So Leicester City signed Patterson Daker, 27 million, Bubakari Samari, 18 million, Vestergaard 15 million, Bertrand free transfer, Adamola Luckman on a loan. So that's that's 60 million, okay? For five players there. And you look at Arsenal, so they've they ended up spending a, a sum of 149 million. They signed Ben White. Would you say as a actual uh, a player week in, week out, and you know what you're gonna get from a player? And you need a player that you trust. Who would you want, Ben White or Vestergaard? And and it's the difference? Vestergaard, we paid fifteen million, and Ben White, they paid thirty-five million more for. I mean, I'd look at Vestergaard and think he's probably the more trusted player. Um, obviously, there's probably more hey, really potential of Ben White. It's just,
1: um, yeah. obviously, hey, probably he's more really good at Southampton. It's just, but I just don't get Ben White either. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't see the £50 million footballer in there, whether it's through potential or not. I've just never seen it for him.
0: They signed Laconga, 21-year-old centre midfielder, a 15000000 million. We've got Samari for a similar amount. And the guy's won a league at Un. It's just... What I wanted to say with that is this narrative that... Bertrand... Yeah, Bertrand, exactly. And they've got Asu? Tavares, they've got seven, 7 million, t- t- Tomiassi, 16 million. Like. Yeah. It's, Says it all. It's just, there's no real excuses for Arsenal because they have got the money, but you don't even need the money. If right. they were just a bit more clever with their, their transfers and learn from their mistakes as well, it's just a constant circle of mistakes being made. But do you want to call it a day there, Weston? Yeah, got Yeah? Well, it's, it's been good to be back. It's been good to have you back um obviously getting back into the swing of things now uh we kind of just wanted an episode just to get to get going really again and just kind of get used to being back in the same room yeah um but i've enjoyed doing it what we're gonna do we were gonna do it this week but realized it's the international break um but we're gonna start doing each week we're gonna do predictions so then we'll get like a table going throughout the season of who's got the best predictions um yeah, I've enjoyed being back. Anything more you'd like to say, Wesley?
1: No, it's just yeah, great to be back. Uh feels like back to normal now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Great to have the Premier League back, well, all football back, fans back in and um it's just yeah, well, we hope you're you're happy as we are that the that the proper series is back. Yeah, definitely. And it's gonna be relentless until now the end of the season. Definitely. So I hope you'll uh yeah. Strapped in for a lot of podcasts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. In, in terms of the podcast, we're, obviously, we're going to do the normal show like we've done today each week, but we're also keen to do our own kind of independent stuff where we can do like a short bonus episodes for you guys. So if you've got any ideas what those kind of episodes you'd like covering, we've got a few ideas, but if there's anything in particular you'd like us to cover, um, just let us know. Um, make sure to like the podcast, subscribe if you're on Apple Music. Follow if you're on Spotify. Um, Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you next week. See you later.